0: We welcome you to The Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. All right, so we've established that God is the ingredient of salvation. Right, and the ingredients determine the quality of the product. Right, if you now introduce an ingredient that is not God, you change or you alter the quality of the product. If, if it's God, it's God. Does that make sense? If you're making semo, you're making semo, and the semo is not strong enough, and it's still a bit, you add more semo, you don't start adding pounded yam flour or eba because they, they are all swallowed. Once you introduce a different ingredient, you change or alter the makeup of the product. Does that make sense? So if man has any singular part to play in the salvation plan, it is no longer exclusively a product of God. Do we agree to that? If man has any part at all to play, it's no longer exclusively a a, a product of God. It is very, very important. Is man, therefore, involved at all? Did God allow man to participate in salvation? We have have established that, haven't we? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 make it very clear. By grace are you saved through faith. And that faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The word works there is the, the Greek word ergon e-r-g-o-n ergon ergon that's the word works in the new testament greek do you know what ergon means ergon means anything accomplished by hand anything accomplished by the hand in a manner of speaking right anything accomplished by effort anything done because it also means to do something so not of works means not of doing not of works means not of any accomplishment or any effort that you deployed or that you came about does that make sense so it doesn't necessarily refer to working as it were it just refers to anything accomplished by the deployment of effort anything accomplished by hand anything that is done is works that means to receive salvation you cannot be said to have done anything. Whether what you did is good or bad. The moment there is a doing of human, a human being involved, it is no longer a gift. One. Two, the quality has been altered. Does that make sense? So in the salvation plan of God for man, there is no human doing involved. None. None. There's no human doing. There's no accomplishment by hand. Did you get that? Let's look at some scriptures that reflect this word ergon works in the New Testament. Titus 3, 4 and 5. We read that a couple of times. It's one of our main texts. Titus 3, 4 and 5. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our savior toward man appeared, not by ergon of righteousness, not by any human effort to be righteous. Not by any acts or any doing of righteousness. Not by any human accomplishment of anything good. Which we have done. Do you get it now? Romans chapter 3, 25 to 27. Romans 3, 25. Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith. To demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus 27 where is boasting then it is excluded by what law law of ergon no but by the law Faith, pistis, remember, pistios, variant. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law is boasting excluded? By the law of faith, not of works. Do we get it? Romans 4 and 1, Romans 4 and 1 into 2. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by accomplishment of hand, by effort, or by doing, if he was justified by works, then he would have had something to boast about because Abraham could wake up and say, I helped the Lord to do this thing. The ingredients that brought about this salvation were part God and part me. Even if it's 99.9% God the 0.1% of human effort makes it no longer exclusively God. And then he introduced a 0.1% of human boasting. Does that make sense? So if it was credited to him by works, then he would have had something to boast about, but not before God. Are you seeing that? Romans 11 and 6. I'm just giving you a few examples of works ergon gone. Romans 11 and 6. And if it is by grace, then it is no longer of works can you see that otherwise grace is no longer grace but if it is of works then it is no longer grace otherwise work is no longer work so it's clear from these and a few other scriptures that man has no part to play do we agree question answered man has no part to play in the salvation plan none none at all not even a point zero 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 one percent If man had any part to play, then salvation is part God and part man. And that salvation is a hybrid. And once it's a hybrid, it tells to the quality of the product, talks about the preservation of the product, and the makeup of the ingredients, right? But salvation is 120% God. No human participation. So it's clear. Man had no part to play. This is the problem though. The problem is that man is not satisfied. That he did not play any part. You I mean I didn't do nothing? No, now too cheap. Man is not satisfied that his input is not required for God to save him, because at the heart of man is that everybody desires to be deployed for something, to be put to use for something, and that's the struggle. That's the religious struggle that there's nothing I did. No, no, that's that's very dodgy. Ah, we don't. We, we always suspect something that is, that is free. Always, always. Free. I did nothing. I shouldn't pay anything. And the three numbers come to your mind, the three Nigerian numbers, four, and one, and nine, all your alarm bells start to ring. You mean there was nothing I needed to do. be saved pastor you're lying pastor you want me to go to hell oh no there's something you needed to do you needed to confess ABC you need to acknowledge Uh that makes acceptable sense therein is the strength of religion the strength of religion is in capitalizing on human participation the strength of religion is in capitalizing on what? Human participation. Human the involvement of yourself. Do this. Do that. Do the other. So when you see somebody naked praying in Jesus' name, you will take it seriously. This person. Yay. For the gospel to shine, African traditional diabolic religion has to die. Your mother till today, as born again as she is, will still say, this breast I used to feed you. And what in the breast? in the breast. Animals breastfeed their babies. And the babies don't beg the animal mothers to breastfeed them. Have you thought about it before? The puppies run around. The piglets run around. And they just come straight back. And nudge the teeth of the mom. And just go sucking. Animals. No big deal. It's African mothers. That your breast is big deal. But there's something about the picture of somebody naked. Standing on a Bible. You know. With an egg or an orange in the middle of the night. Praying. Father, I stand here naked. Because your nakedness opens the third heavens. The God you serve is delighted in seeing naked women. It sounds funny, but that's what we're trapped in. And we have religion driven by lust. Driven by sensuality. And that releases familiar spirits into the atmosphere. Because you want to participate. Somebody will say, write it, write it here. Give me, bring a picture. Point of contact. Bring a picture. You're like, yeah, you too. Yeah, this now, nah, this is the pastor, this is a man of God. It's a mighty man of God. Bring me something of the person sand, hair, shoe, anything that has to do with the person. You just went to a harbor list in an AC office of a church building. Because we want to participate to participate. Shout as you lift up the oil. Shout glory seven times. The louder your amen, the quicker God comes through for you. You to now open your mouth and shout amen. God reach me first. Answer me first to the volume of my amen. So God now comes. He now pauses. Whose amen was the loudest? Take your breakthrough now. Take your blessing now. Take your prosperity now. Take your baby now. Because you shouted amen. We judge that devil in church tonight. That is a sorcery spirit. It's a sorcery spirit. It's not of God. So God begins to predicate what he, Christ already did. On your performance. On a flimsy participation as shouting a loud Amen. So all God did in eternity is, is held to ransom by the absence of your shout of amen. By your inability to take the best offering in your purse and come and lay it at my feet right now. Come right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Don't think about it, don't think about it, don't think about Just come right now, right now. Take the biggest thing, don't think about how you're going to get home. That is manipulative, that's mind control. That's mind control. That's hypnotism. Don't think about it. Just come. Just come right now. Just come right now. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Just come. Come right now. Come right now. I'm waiting for you. I'm going to count to ten. One, two. Really? And they were even calling people to be saved. We we're calling them for altar call. And still counting down for them to run. What was your crusade about? I thought it was about saving the lost. If you're about saving the lost, then saving the lost should take more time than choir ministration. And then you're preaching. You keep quiet and say all kinds of things for three hours that have no bearing on, on the gospel. When it's time for them to respond, you're now rushing them. Run, run. One, the Bible says, If you are ashamed of me on the earth, I'll be ashamed about you. Two, when you, you, you don't understand the gospel, that he left 99 to go after one. Nine coins were not enough. She looked for the one. The good son who was doing everything right was not enough, he went after the bad one. And then you now, because you have an empire going for you, you are now doing them a favor by bringing them to the Lord. So you run, one, two, if I count ten, I will pray. Pray now. So you count ten and you pray. Whoever has not come is not covered by your prayer because it's your prayer that saves the lost. It's your prayer that says, Father, please forgive them. Father, please accept them into your kingdom as though God is looking at your, your holiness and go, Oh, it is of young, it's holy of young that is interceding for these people. At that point, there's no difference between that pastor and the people who are asking Mary to pray for them. That's the issue. That's idolatry. The moment we introduce human participation, it becomes sorcery. And it tampers with the quality of the product. Religion is selling because the average human being always wants to be involved in the process. It's an intrinsic desire of the falling nature. It didn't start today. Did God say you should not eat this thing, Genesis 3? No, he said I should eat and not just this one. Why? He said because if I eat this one, I will die. Serpent said, no, you are deceived. If you eat it, you will be like God. Wow. I will be like God. That sounds good to me. He sold to her and she bought what she already had. Think about it. Because the conference of the Godhead, El Elion, was let us now make man. In our own image and after our likeness, He didn't stop there and let them have dominion. So again, as, as man arrived then, they had dominion. Because they were like God. It's an attribute of God, dominion. He now began to sell to her what she had. Different packaging. She wanted to participate. She wanted, okay, how are you like God? Oh, I ate a fruit. I ate a fruit. How are you like God? He made me like Him. That's how I am like Him. He made me like I came, I arrived like Him. That's God's intention. How are you like God? I ate a fruit. Works. Something accomplished. By the hand, are you getting this? I wrote here, if anyone has a desire to participate in in his salvation, he's trying to grasp with his senses what is achievable only by grace. You can't participate in your salvation. That's why you're not sure if you're saved. Because you're not sure if what you are doing is enough. So you're taking your eyes off him who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. You're not focusing on how much you are doing trying to grasp with your senses God did not need your help to save you you know why because unsaved you were useless to him God didn't save you for profit unsaved you were absolutely irrelevant to him he could not God does not enter into partnership with sinners I'm about to save you but I need you as dead in sins as you are as an enemy of God as you are But I know we're enemies. I know we're not talking. But I'm about to reconcile us. I need you to play along. No. unsaved, you were useless to him. Romans 5 and 6. Romans 5 and 6. For when we were still without strength. In due time Christ died for the ungodly. How can the ungodly have participated in their salvation? For scarcely for a righteous man. Please switch to nlt let us understand this thing properly in fact give us the message let's understand it in, in in today's english we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice verse 8 but god put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. While we were of no use whatever to him. How could you have participated in your salvation when you were useless to the person that was saving you? God commended his love towards us in this manner King James says in that while we were yet sinners Hamashi missing the mark. Christ died for the ungodly. Where was your faith when you were a sinner? Did you have faith? So you think you are saved by your sinner's prayer? When did you, you are the same person that quotes that the prayer of an unrighteous man, he will not hear. How did he then hear your sinner's prayer to save you? Okay, the moment you were about to pray the sinner's prayer, God now sort of figured, hey, yeah, here she comes, she's about to repent. Now let me just pause. Let me break, you know, this is my strike of not hearing sinners. Let me hear a... Sinner that is about to be ex-sinner. Speak for thy father, hear it. Because the prayer of a sinner, he does not hear. And is that scripture true? It's true. He does not hear the prayer of a sinner. So what is a sinner's prayer? They don't have prayer, my darling. Pray with me now, the sinner's prayer. But he doesn't hear the prayer of an unrighteous man. So we have a problem. How then did you get saved? According to beloved Pastor Elvis, what are the mechanisms of your salvation? If he's not hearing the prayer of sinners, how, how can you think that is your prayer, sinner's prayer? Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. He can't hear you. He can't hear you. Why? You are a sinner. And he's of fairer eyes than to behold iniquity. So we have a major problem. You see, you can't be saved. So you are not saved because he didn't hear you. And because we cannot promise you the assurance of salvation, all we then say to you is, if you said that prayer with all your heart, you are now born again. Isn't that what we say? If you pray that prayer sincerely from your heart, you are now born again. You have now joined the family of God by a prayer that God cannot hear. So you see, you have a problem. That's why you're not sure. Father, I don't know if you can hear me. Has anybody prayed that prayer? My hand is up. Ha! Father, I'm not sure if you can hear me. I know you are real, but I don't know if you are hearing me now. But we are just, I'm praying by faith. Just in case you can hear me. Because you're not sure that you have his audience. Human participation. Not required. Receiving your salvation was not up to you. Without his prompting and without his faith deposit let me address this as we move on how do you know that you have received salvation are you interested how do you know that you have received salvation number one you heard the gospel you cannot even start talking about salvation if you haven't heard the gospel in its fullness and that's why i've said over and over that right now evangelism is centered on the church we have a lot of Christians who have heard thousands of messages and have never heard the gospel. Thousands of sermons have been preached and Christians haven't heard the gospel. If they haven't heard, uncle, how are they Christians? They're just churched. Just churched. And that's why we have to now start working on behavior modification. Wear skirt, don't wear skirts. Cover your hair, don't cover your hair. Your hair is too long. Your earring is too big. Your makeup is too bold. Your behind is too big. I know what I'm saying. I know people who have been attacked for dancing in church because their behind is too big. You are, you are causing other people to stumble. You are leading them in lost because you had a part in choosing the, the volume of behind you should come with. So we start to modify behavior. Sit in front. You don't sit in front. You sit behind. You take this. You do that. Live by this rule. don't live by that rule. Go here, don't go here. Then we introduce the law of pastors giving permission to members to travel. You don't need permission from your pastor to travel. Oh, I didn't pray for you, I didn't bless you. You can have an accident. Then you are not under a pastor. You're under a deputy lucifer. Oh, pastor, how dare you travel without your papa blessing you. Blessing you with which blessing? When he, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Whatever blessing you need to function in now and eternity has been given to you in heavenly places in Christ. Go for my pastor to bless me, lay hands on me before I travel. Then your pastor is a talisman and you are, you, you, you are a traditional worshiper. Well, I couldn't travel. I didn't have release. Oh, there's something called accountability. I will give account for you. It's just nice. It's helpful for you that I know where you are. It's just helpful. If you are a, a sheep under me as your under shepherd, it's just nice. My One of my favorite ways to reply your message is no worries. Because me, honestly, no worries. Thanks for letting me know. I pray for you. I bless you. No, you don't need it. I'm too small. Of necessity, the lesser... Is blessed by the greater. Any pastor that tells you he's over and above you is a devil. No pastor, no, no, no minister is over the people that he or she leads. We are all sons of God. God has no senior sons and junior sons. Are you listening to me? has no senior and junior sons. Opaav is closer to God than you. It's a lie. Wear the suit. Wear white suit. White shoe. White mind. White heart. Do you understand? White breath. White cologne. You know, white perfume. You are so pure. You know, we say pure in the the south. In the north, they say pure. You are so pure. We are all sons of God. All of us. All of us are sons. We only have one elder brother nobody's above you, you, need, you need to release. need to take this face towel as you go and then you now start going and then you see the height of idol worship if pav has a personal god the god of pav both pav and that god are idols if pastor takim has a personal god pastor takim and that his god are idols I release unto you the, the glory of the God of Takim. That God and Takim are idols. That God and Pav are idols. idols. There is zero human participation. Zero. Me, Alexander, sir, I don't pray God of Abraham, God of Isaac, Mm-mm. Jacob, what? What? People that are jealous of me. People that God never called some. Ever. They had to find grace. Me, grace found me. Me, I was there. Not even knowing what was happening. Your grace has found me just as I am. Grace found me. I didn't find it. So my reference is not the God of somebody who had to find grace. Are you here tonight? The God that's relationship Jacob had with God was not even such as he was fully convinced about. If I go safely and come back safely, I will give you tithe. Tithe was conditional on performance. Jacob's tithe was not out of love. That Bethel promise he made at Bethel, if you take me safely, bring me back safely, I'll give you a tenth of everything. He wasn't sure that he was going to go safe and come back safe. So my God is not the God of, no, I don't need that. Once I know that I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good enough for me. I mean praying and be referencing Abraham, Isaac, Elijah. God answers by fire. God answers by fire. When me, he baptized me with fire. I was baptized with fire. Me like this, I'm a living, breathing, moving fire. God does not need to answer by fire. I'm here. That's why we keep talking about Benzidehosa like he was an alien. We keep talking about him like he was from Mars or Jupiter. These are people that just knew who they are in Christ. And so you keep, keep looking at us like we're making a boast. No problem. It's okay. It's okay. But every day I'm confessing my reality. Every day I'm aligning to that reality. Every day. Every day. It's not something I can tire of doing. It's not something I can stop doing. Every day I confess it. And every day it is becoming more reality. They are not normal. You're not a normal person. You carry divinity in its fullness. In its fullness. You like this. As you are. You that you have not prayed for two weeks. You like this. You carry divinity in its fullness. Your prayer just makes you aware of what is on your inside. It doesn't bring him in. It doesn't bring him in. It just stares you up to the awareness of divinity that is packed on your inside. Does that make sense? Your cylinder is there. Packed full of gas. Ignite it, it flows. That's what prayer does. It's not prayer that fills the cylinder with gas. That's who you are. And no man can take the credit for it. When I anointed him, his ministry began. Because you are who? So you received salvation. How you know you received salvation is that you heard the gospel. Not a message. Not altar call. The gospel, the good news, the grace of God that brings salvation. You heard it. You heard the gospel. That's the first pointer. Number two, you confessed Christ. I didn't say this how you know you are saved. I said this how you know you have received. You confessed Christ. You didn't confess sin, no. There's nowhere you are told to confess your sin except the one you did to your brother. And even that one, it says confess it that you might be healed, not that you might be saved. So if you and I have beef and it's chewing us up, we sit down, we confess it one to another. We receive healing. Life goes on. He ain't got nothing on our salvation. Do you understand what I just said? But you confess Christ. Even if all you said is, I confess Christ. That's all. Father, I, I believe, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And God is like, mm-hmm, they're getting there. I cannot help myself. Mm-hmm, they're coming. I accept you into my life. Okay, I'm coming. As my Lord, I'm first. Pers- oh, that thing annoys me, it annoys me. Because Jesus Christ is not anybody's personal savior. Do you understand? There's nothing personal about Soteria. Soter is the savior of the world. He's our Lord and public community savior. He's our public community savior. Do you understand? It's not your personal savior. He didn't come to save only you. He came to save sinners, Paul said. Sinners of which I am chief, he said. Means he, he came to save me. He was fitting for him in bringing one extra son into personal glory. I said, you come into my life. I will no longer live for Satan. I will now live for you as if you can. As if you can. No man can get up and wake up and say, I will live for you. Do you know what that life is? When Christ, Colossians 3 says, who is your life? If he doesn't give you life, you can't live for him. I promise you, I you come into my life now. I will live for you. I will be a good girl. When you finish being good, you realize that there's no credit to your name. If you succeed in being good, you confess Christ. Three, by faith, you believe what you heard and confessed. By faith, you believe what you heard and confessed. Four, you receive and have the Holy Spirit. All these are happening at once. You heard the gospel. You confess Christ, then you believed because confession always comes before faith believing. If you believe in the heart and confess it in the mouth, right? You heard the gospel. You confess Christ because of the because Christ is the message of the gospel. Christ is the message of the gospel. You cannot, said, you cannot be said to have preached the gospel if he did not point men expressly to Christ. Because the gospel puts Christ on display. Any gospel that does not highlight Christ cannot be said to be the gospel. So, when you hear the gospel, your natural response is to Christ. Not to healing, not to deliverance, not to prosperity, not to church membership. Did you hear what I said? Not to fill a repentance card. Not to go that way and talk to our counselors who wants to get your phone number and address and church you by force. If you heard the gospel, your natural response is to the Christ of the gospel. That's how you know you received salvation. We're not haggling you to come to church on Sunday. You must come home. You have to be in the Bible-believing church, but you must grow. No, that's not the essence of the gospel. That's not the essence of the gospel. Essence of the gospel is to put Christ On display in the sight of the hearer, because that gospel is by itself the power of God unto salvation. So your natural response to hearing the gospel is to confess Christ, because at the end of hearing the gospel, who who did you see? Christ. If you saw Christ when you heard the gospel, when you are responding, I can promise you, you will not be crying out of guilt. You will not be coming to the altar. Oh, God, I receive you. <laughs> because what you're doing that time is saying, oh, God, I've been a very bad person. Yeah. Who is showing you that? Not God. Not Jesus. He doesn't condemn. How can it be good news when you hate and you're crying? You're weeping. Good news. How? And it's not tears of joy. Oh, God, I don't want to go to hell. Where worms are eating people and coming out of their ears and demons are flogging people and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Save me, oh Lord. That's what you're doing most times when you hear call. Salvation is not an escape route from hell. Did you hear what I said? The essence of salvation is not to keep you away from hell. The essence of salvation is to bring you into sonship into glory, into eternal fellowship with God. By the time you get into such a fellowship, in your vocabulary, hell doesn't exist. Why didn't Paul preach it to the church? Corinthian church, Laodicean church, Colossian church, Thessalonican church, Ephesian church, Philippian church, He never, the Roman church, he never preached hell. Not once. Peter preached hell, but said that... Go- Jesus went and preached to the spirit of those in prison. They don't highlight hell at all. Do you understand? Hell, look at me. Hell is not a factor in the gospel. If you preached the gospel and added hell, you failed. Are you people hearing me? If you preached the gospel and added hell, you failed. Jesus went around preaching the good news of the gospel. Of the gospel of the kingdom and he never mentioned hell. So if you preach the gospel and you added hell, you failed. You didn't preach the gospel. Because the moment you mention hell, you introduce a fear factor. There's no fear in love. Listen to me. Look at me. If the love of God could not draw you, the fear of God cannot keep you. If the love of God could not draw you to him, the fear of God sir cannot keep you. You grew up being afraid of your dad or your mom. The first freedom you got, you practiced everything you could not practice when you were with them and afraid. You broke every single rule that you kept because you were not keeping it because you wanted to. You're not keeping it because you liked your dad or because you agreed with his policies. You were just under his roof and had to do what he said. The moment you got into school, realize you are in hostel, or your dad has been transferred, or he, you went mad. Before you now advise yourself, this thing is vanity upon vanity. Calm down, because if love doesn't draw you, fear can't keep you. But when you respond to the awesomeness of His love, understand how much God loves you. Romans 5 in the message says he put his love on the line. You would just naturally live for him. You would just know that I am my daddy's daughter. I can't act anyhow. I bring shame to the family name. And my dad will love me in spite of my mess up, which makes it even more difficult to mess up. You don't have my kind of daddy, that's why. My kind of daddy. He will still love you. When you know that he's supposed to kill you. I don't want to hurt him like that. I don't want to break his heart like that. I don't want to keep squashing him like that. Because you don't understand the kind of father that I have. You don't understand the kind of father that I have that will stand with me in my mess and go in there and cry and say, Why did this happen? I don't have to come to you and be say, Look at you, useless child. Why did he not do? Why did you? Why did he not do? Why did you? You could have. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. You shoulda gone there. You woulda said this. You coulda. No, I'm not a shoulda, woulda, coulda father. Because I don't have a shoulda, woulda, coulda father. You confess Christ by faith. You believe and heard what you confessed. You receive and have the Holy Spirit. And therefore, five, you have the assurance of salvation. You have the assurance of salvation. Number six, you become set on the things of the spirit. That's how you know you have received the salvation that has been given to you, right? You become set on the things of the spirit. You become set. Set your minds on things above. You become set on the mind, on the things of the spirit, the the fruits of the spirit. And you become set on starving your flesh. Grace doesn't amplify the flesh. Grace kills the flesh. Did you hear what I said? If you got saved and your fleshy tendencies amplified, you didn't get saved. You got initiated. You didn't get saved. You got initiated to a church or religious organization. Because grace doesn't amplify the flesh, grace puts the flesh to death. So you become set. On the things of the spirit. And starving your flesh. Seven. Your mind starts to be renewed. Yes. Your mind starts to be. Renewed. Eight. You are manifesting. The supernatural. And walking in the gifts. Of the spirit. You're manifesting the supernatural. And walking in the gifts of the Spirit. You got it? Nine, you grow in the Word, in love, in prayer, in devotion, and that's not money devotion, <laughs> and in maturity. You grow in Word, in love, in prayer, in devotion, and in maturity. You grow in the Word. In prayer, in devotion, and in maturity. Number 10, you know, you know, and you know. That's how you know. Did you get it? You heard the gospel. You confessed Christ. You believe what you heard and confessed. You receive and have the Holy Spirit. You receive the assurance of salvation, right? You start to set your mind on the things of the Spirit, right? And starving your flesh. Your mind starts to be renewed. And what's the next one? You're manifesting the the supernatural and the gifts of the Spirit. And then you're growing word in prayer, in love, in devotion, and maturity. And then you know And you know, and you know, and you know, and you know. Do you know? Then know. When you have known, then know. And follow on to know. We have talked about preservation earlier, right? About how maintaining your salvation is not up to you. Because a man cannot preserve what God did. Hmm? Okay. So all man did, all man needs to do, as it were is believe have faith and that's just to activate to appropriate what god already did to you by grace and grace alone right okay i'll throw a question here is a teaser question does it take faith to believe or does it take believing to have faith does it take faith to believe or does it take believing to have faith the chicken or the egg the chicken or the egg which came first Does it take faith to believe or does it take believing to have faith? What's faith? What's believing? You establish that and you know which comes first. Homework. So, can my salvation be lost considering the arguments? The answer to this question is more than just the theological difference of opinion. One person cannot believe his salvation is eternal. And another person believes it's not eternal. And both of them are going to the same place. This is not about covering your hair or not covering your hair. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is not about tithe and offering. It's not about sharing the grace or not sharing the grace. Do do you understand what I'm saying? This is a fundamental, fundamental faith question. Someone who is not sure of his salvation. And somebody else who is sure of his salvation and cannot coexist. Do you hear what I said? It can't coexist. So it's a very pertinent question. We cannot have different perspectives to the question, to this question, this particular question. We cannot. We must come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God in this matter. To properly address this question, let's go back to the root of the problem. There is a misunderstanding Of a doctrine called election. Has anybody heard of the doctrine of election? If you have gone through anything about systematic theology. You would have encountered the doctrine of election. And that the misunderstanding of the doctrine of election. Is what jeopardizes or determines eternal security. Because this question borders on eternal security. The eternal security of the believer. Does that make sense? Popularly referred to in. In negative pun intended circles. As once saved. Always saved. Eternal security. Of the believer. Cannot be gotten right. Without dealing with that elephant in the room. Called election. Election is. Is loosely regarded. As the first step God takes. In saving us. Do you understand? The first step God took in saving you. Was to determine that you will be saved. You agree with me? He thought about it. He loved you. Right? And then he determined to save you. That determining to save you is the election of God. Does that make sense? Now people have interpreted it to mean, however, um, okay, let me let me let me let me let me put this out there. The the controversial definition of election, the systematic theology definition. An act of God before creation in which he chose some people to be saved. An act of God before creation in which he chooses some people to be saved, not on account of any foreseen merit, but only because of his sovereign good pleasure. Now, if he chooses some people to be saved, it therefore follows conversely that he did not choose or he dischoosed others to not be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 2, uh, from verse 1. Pray, I will have you pray for. Therefore, I exhort first that also of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Right? For kings and all who are authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Keep going. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Soter, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. After they have been saved. Emphasis here though. Is desires. Election. All men. So already we have a biblical problem. With the systematic theology definition of election. I said it's a believers teaching meeting. So you see the problem now. We have to deal with election. He chooses some people and that means he didn't choose other people. The doctrine of election introduces two schools of thought. The first school of thought is that God decided those who would be saved and those who would not be saved according to that definition. Does that make sense? The second school of thought is that God foreknew those who would be saved So he deals with them as that. Because in his omniscience, he knows that everybody will be giving salvation, but not everybody will accept it. So he then chooses to deal with those who he foreknows will accept it. And that is kind of more in keeping with scripture to a degree. Are we together so far? The first school of thought hinges on god's sovereignty that means god has power to do whatever he likes he can choose who he wants to save and who he does not want to save but then we already have a biblical problem with that because he desires that all men will be saved we see from titus and timothy that the gift of grace of god that brings salvation has appeared to so we have a problem the second school of thought that those that god knew for new will 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 respond and therefore he deals with them according to that that school that second school of thought hinges on God's omnis- om- omniscience yeah God's foreknowledge God's all-knowing knowledge and that's kind of more in- consistent with the scriptures and the gospel but even this one brings into question another word predestination for whom he did for no he predestined Ephesians 1 says he predestined Ephesians 1, I think it was 5 or so there, somewhere there, Ephesians 1. talks about how we are predestined. Let's see Acts, Acts 13. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Okay, Acts 13 and 48. Acts 13 and 48. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. So now, how do I know that I am among the appointed? How do I know that I am an appointee of eternal life? How do I know that I am an eternity appointee? Romans eight and twenty-eight to thirty. Romans eight twenty-eight to thirty. And we know that all things work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are the called, according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, there's a problem. Because we have to know after claiming all this salvation, are you in the number? Are you in the number? Are you in the number? Saved by grace. Are you in the number? Are you in the number? Are you in the number? Saved by grace. It gets even more scary when you go and read Revelation and see that 144,000 were chosen. Hey, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And for those whom he predestined, those he also... Called, whom he called, he also justified, and who he justified, he also glorified. Romans 9 and 11. Romans 9 and 11. 9, 11, and 13. For the children not yet been born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older, referring to Isaac, is and, and Jacob, as election, Esau and Jacob. The older shall serve the younger. 13. As it is written, Jacob have I loved. But Esau have I hated. Just like that. Ephesians 1.12. Ephesians 1.12. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. We who first trusted. 1 Thessalonians 1.4 and 5. I'm just putting the scriptures out there. Knowing, beloved, your election by God. Does that sound like something to scare you at this point? It doesn't. How could it? Start from verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, or Thessalonians in God and the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news, right? We give thanks To God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without season your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing beloved brethren, your election by God. So as Paul, as far as Paul was concerned, everybody he was writing this letter to was elected by God. Is it getting clearer? So election is is not a pick and choose as it appears. Predestination is not pick and choose as it appears. See verse 5. It looks like that at face value. But just digging in deeper. For our gospel did not come to you in word only. But also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And in much assurance. As you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. We know knowing your election on account of what the gospel we brought to you so what triggers election the gospel you hear and receive not a particular number that have been determined to be saved anybody who hears the gospel and responds by seeing christ enters the elect is predestined not as though there's somebody that no matter the gospel you hear no matter the gospel you believe you are knowing the number are we together 2 Timothy 1 and verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, keep going, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. You're called with a holy calling. Hmm? So these scriptures highlight the omniscience of God. So God, God knows. He knows. that Everybody will hear the gospel. He knows some people will not re- receive it. That doesn't mean that he precluded them from salvation. Salvation does not preclude anybody. Did you hear what I said? It will not be equitable for Jesus to die for the whole world and God reject a particular number. That is to suggest, therefore, that the work of Christ on the cross was not enough to be finished for the whole world. Too many people will reduce the efficacy of the blood. So in order to make the blood strong, we have to limit it to the number of people that you can take, like your hotspot. One six people connect to your hotspot, that's it. You can't take any more. The blood of Jesus is not a hotspot with limited number of connections. Is limitless. It's infinite. So the knowledge of predestination should bring comfort and assurance. Not fear and anxiety. Because there's no fear in love. So Christ did not die for you to start asking if you're among the people he died for. And that's a fundamental flaw of interpreting scripture. So that throws that doctrine of election out the window. He didn't select some to be saved. Scripture didn't say that. Paul just begins to deploy diverse means by which some in each catchment area shall be saved. For I am all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Not saying that some will not be saved. But that in me doing everything I need to do in this place, inside this place, I will save some. When I go to, do you understand, to the Jews, I became a Jew so that inside the Jews, I can save some. To the Gentiles, I became a Gentile, so that among the Gentiles, I can save some. To those under the law, I appeared as under the law. He didn't say, I came under the law. He said, when they were going for their feast, I followed them. He said, I must go to Jerusalem, because I must keep the feast there. Why? Because there's Jews I will only meet in the feast. And as I'm in the I will give them the gospel. So, to those under the law, I appeared as under the law. As. If it's synagogue that it takes to block you for Jesus, let's go there. That's what Paul's mem- modus operandi. Do, do you understand? If it's being a Jew that it takes, let's go there. Okay, if okay Gentiles, Jews are having an issue, Timothy, come, 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 come. Circumcise yourself quickly, not for salvation, not for heaven, but just let us be able to enter these Jews and let them not say, don't talk to us, you're not circumcised. Because it's simple that says neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything. Do you understand? When Koma Hills in Borno State was about to be first preached with the gospel, Koma Hills in Nigeria, in Borno State, they live up there naked. It's recently, when I say recently, like five years ago, six years ago, they started accepting to wear clothes in Nigeria, in Borno State. High up the mountain is where they live. When a Yoruba man found Kunle, he's dead now, I can't remember, Kunle something. When he found the place and he got the call to go there, you know what he had to do with his team? Strip and go there naked. Because if you're wearing anything, you were an animal, you were going to be killed and eaten. So the first set of missionaries that accepted the call to take the gospel to Kuma Hills, got to the foot of the mountain, got their things ready, and stripped naked and start the match up. So as you're approaching, the Koma people see people that are looking like them. The guys didn't love being naked. They didn't choose to be naked. But nakedness was what it took to get the gospel to Koma Hills. So they went up there naked. Learned the language naked. Built schools naked. Preached the gospel naked. And saved men unto Christ naked. I read it k-o-m-a coma hills in Bruno state i got the gospel to them what did he take nakedness will your pride let you so paul said i became all things to be naked as naked does that make sense that wasn't him endorsing the law or endorsing jew and greek when he's the same person that said he's the peace who has broken down the middle wall of partition in him there's no jew there's no greek there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no bond, there's no slave, there's no male, there's no female. So predestination is knowing that he de- determined to save me before I showed up. And the moment I believe I'm in the elect, oh, that's, 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 that should be good news to somebody. It's assurance, the moment I believe, I am in the elect. Because he already predestined me for salvation. Are you getting that? You already predestined me for salvation. Okay, let's go straight. Let's go ahead. So, having established that that predestination brings comfort and assurance, we now have to look at another issue: the issue of whether or not a predestined believer can lose salvation. If you have been predestined to receive salvation, can you lose it? If you are predestined to receive it, if, in other words, You received salvation because he had elected you to receive it. Because no one comes to to me except my father draws him. No one comes to my father except through me. Hear what Jesus said. No one comes to Jesus except the father draws him. And no one comes to the father except through Jesus. No one comes to me, Jesus said, except my father in heaven. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father. If you're coming to me, the father is drawing you you're coming to the Father, you're passing through me. For I and my Father are one. Have I been with you this long and you do not know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. I pray for them that they may be one as you and I are one. If you're coming to the Father, you're coming through me. If you're coming to me, it's because my Father told you to come. So our gravitation towards God in responding to the gospel call is a response, is a product of his predestination of us. Are you getting it now? We can only have been able to respond because he predestined us to respond. So even our response is not of our own making. It is still an act of God. So if he gave salvation to me voluntarily without me even knowing or applying for it, can I lose it? Some people believe though that it's possible. I'm sure you know that. And it's interesting how the people that believe That is possible to lose your salvation. Are the ones that are doing the worst things that can make a person lose salvation if it was possible. The secret lives they live. The divergent lives they live. They live in absolute parallels to what they believe. To what they say. They're the ones collecting bribe from you in school. They're the ones wanting to sleep with you against your will. Or to manipulate you into being a mistress. They are the ones asking you to sort. They are the ones. The pastors, the elders, the ministers. They are the ones that do not queue in the bank. They don't queue at the airport. They want to work their way around everything. While telling you that you can lose your salvation. Because they don't have the joy of salvation. They don't have the joy. They have a form of godliness. I deny the power thereof. So, I cannot be frustrated alone. I will take you down with me. Me, I'm not even sure of my salvation. You now come here and be forming that you are righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You know all things are passed away. My friend, you can lose your salvation. That's how you will even talk to me now that you have lost it. Most people who are championing works are stuck in it. Have you realized they're stuck in ergon. Anything accomplished by the hand. That's all they know. So that's all they preach. They know it doesn't work for them, but that's all they know anyway. And you cannot know more than them. Who are you? You believe it's possible to lose your salvation. They refer to it as apostasy, right? Falling away. He then come and quotes Hebrews 6, 4 to 6. Can we see it? Hebrews 6, 4 to 6. There's an argument in this scripture that says that this scripture is not referring to believers. That's the popular, popular explanation. That is not referring to believers. Have you, have you ever heard that before? Or believed that? That's not referring to it. They, really, they were not really genuinely believers. How can they fall away? For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. Enlightened means to come into the knowledge of the gospel. One. And have tasted the heavenly gift. What is the heavenly gift? Grace. And have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. By this point, you should have advised yourself that you cannot be referring to unbelievers. Because unbelievers cannot be said to have been partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God. And they have tasted the powers of the age to come if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. So we're talking about believers, but straight away, he says, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, not to salvation. If you rush past it, you miss it. But Christianity has confused salvation with repentance. If salvation and repentance are one and the same, Jesus did not need to bring a different baptism to that of John. John himself made it clear. See, my baptism is just for repentance, so, so that as you are entering, you are starting to change your mind. Repentance has nothing to do with the forgiveness of sin. Metanoia in the Greek means to have a change of mind, a change of perspective about something. The Jews were not prepared to hear anything like the Messiah coming. John starts to say, I am coming to prepare the way. The voice of him crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. He who is coming, his sandals I am not worthy to tie. I shall baptize with water. He shall baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. To see him, to receive him, you must change your mind about him. He wasn't telling them you must repent of sin. You must stop sinning to see Jesus. How can you stop sinning to see somebody who is coming to take away your sin? How can John be telling you, stop sinning so that he who is appearing to put away your sin can come? If I stop sinning for him to show up, he shouldn't bother coming. What's he coming for? I've already solved my problem myself. I've repented. I don't have a sin issue anymore. I don't need a savior. Keep your soteria to yourself. I've sorted myself out. You understand? I've sorted, you know what I mean? Pun intended. I've sorted myself out. Why do I need Jesus to come to take away sin? Why would John now be screaming? John 1 Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. If his baptism had fixed your sin problem. Think about it. If his baptism had for repentance had sorted out your sin. Why is he announcing that Christ is coming to take away the sin of the world? If I John with the water I dipped you inside have sorted it out. But we have now interchanged the two. And made repentance into salvation. Made repentance into the forgiveness of sin. Repentance just simply means. It's a mistranslation. One of the worst mistranslations in the Bible. Is the rendering of the word repentance. It's one of the worst things translators did to us. To mistranslate repentance. To link it to sin. Then why did John's repentance not take away sin? I'm readying you to change your mind. If, If I tell you now let this place arrange it to have a guest that's how you would do it if i say to you the governor is coming arrange this place that's how you will arrange you would this how you will rearrange your arrangement we can't put this podium here for instance because the governor will come with his own and his chair for him and the first lady so your reprogramming of your arrangement because of the expectation of the guest is repentance do you understand you shall call his name Emmanuel, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then he's born in Bethlehem. Eh? He's preparing them so that when this Nazarene shows up from Nazareth, that they saw as a carpenter's son, they would have been pre-programmed to believe that he can be the savior. That's repentance. It has nothing to do with sin. Change your perspective about Jesus who is coming to save you. He will still come. He will still save you. Whether you see it or not. It's helpful for you though to see it so you can receive it. He came to his own, John 11. His own received him not. Why? They did not repent. All John was trying to do was to get them to repent so that they can receive him as Messiah, not as Jesus jo- Joseph's son. Because they still struggle with it. He's not the carpenter's son. His sister's not with us. I I I, I these not the names of his brothers. Repentance readied them to receive the message. The message took away sin. Are you getting this? So when he says that, verse five, if they fall away, should they lose their mindset about Christ? Does that make sense? If these guys fall away, if they, if they, if their sense, the way they see Christ, goes dull. After all that they have tasted. It will be hard to get them to change their mind though. That's what the scripture is saying. It doesn't say they have been lost. And they are going to hell. This was not about salvation. It was about their perspective of Christ. In in the light or in the pressure of the works of the law. Because he was dealing with Jews. Hebrews. Hebrews. Yeah. Now Abraham. Abraham the Hebrew. is the first Hebrew. Hebrew means to cross over from which to get Jews. Hebrews was written to the Jews because even though the cross has been had, the Christ has been, has been slain they were still caught up in the existing temple practices at that time. That's why he starts to deal with the old covenant and the old priesthood and the law and explain to them how, listen, oh, you guys are still stuck in the prophets that spoke to our fathers when the Son has appeared. That's how Hebrew starts. Hebrew starts with no greeting, no intro, no prologue, nothing. God, Hebrews 1 1, who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers, the fathers of who the Hebrews, the Jews. Do you understand the pretext? By the prophet has in these times spoken to us by his son. He instantly tries, starts to define or describe the son. This son is whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he also made the worlds this son who is the brightness of his glory and this son is the express image of his person this son upholds all things by the word of his power when this son had by himself but straight away right now is explaining to you who Jesus is he's telling you don't get it twisted you grew up on our father said the prophet said now The attention has shifted to Christ. That's why he tells them, we see Jesus. It doesn't look like he has put everything subject to him because you still have temple practices running. You still have sacrifices going. You still have synagogue things going. So it doesn't look like he has actually subdued all all things under him, even though, yes, he has. But we see Jesus. The whole book of Hebrews was to get the Jews to see the Jesus they have refused to see. The whole book of Hebrews was changing the mind of Jewish believers. Concerning the Messiahhood of Christ. Are you following me? The entire argument. Because if you go into chapter 2. He starts to ask the Jews. To which of the angels did he say? You are my son. Today I have begotten you. He's arguing for the divinity of Jesus. To the Jews who know him after the flesh. Do you understand? And that's the whole narrative of Hebrews. So when he gets to chapter 6. He says man. haba! You have tasted Holy Spirit. You have forgotten grace. And then your mind starts to dilly-dally again about whether this Jesus is really the one that saved you. We can't help you. He didn't tell them that you are losing salvation. He says, we can't help the state of your mind anymore if you are still at this point after tasting grace, still not being sure whether or not it is that Jesus from Nazareth that saved you. Whether his death was actually what saved you. You have a problem. He was speaking to them with very, very stern words. He was jolting them into their reality To understand that Jesus is the savior. Not Joseph's son. That's a whole context of Hebrews. Has nothing to do with losing salvation. Or else Paul would have said it. Has this helped anybody? So this view or their view argues that if you are free free to choose Christ. Why are you not free to reject him? Have you heard that before? It's not with with the heart that man believes. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So why can't with the mouth unconfession be made out of salvation? It's not the same mouth. If you confessed your way into salvation, can you not confess your way out of salvation? John fifteen sixteen. See the answer to that question. To imply that a human being, to imply that you chose Jesus is to imply that you walked inside salvation. Do you understand what I'm saying? To, 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 you chose. You saw Jesus. Jesus. To choose Jesus means that you had another option which you actively considered. But did you, did you even know what option is? He was the one that had options to either punish you, kill you, reduce himself to you or to save you. He now chose to save you. The choice was his to exercise. Let's see how the message puts this verse. You didn't choose me, remember? I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit. Look at this, fruit that won't spoil. Why are we having this conversation? You didn't choose him. Now, please answer only in your spirit. If you didn't choose him, can you unchoose him? How can you unchoose someone you did not choose? He chose you. He drew you. He saved you. He appeared to you. He keeps you. You enjoy it. How about if we lead you astray to lose your salvation? Galatians 5.4. I'm answering questions, right? How about if we now lead you astray? We now tell you nonsense. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the Lord. Because that's what's happening. The, the, the Judaizers, Yeah? The born again in quote, Jews were coming into the Galatian church and telling them that there's no way they can be saved if they don't add a little bit of the law of Moses. So he was telling them if you're doing that, attempting to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. He wasn't referring to salvation. You're falling from grace. In other words, you have disconnected yourself from the working of grace in your life because you are trying to live by the law, it's referring to your existence. Not your eternity. See verse 7. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the... So you talking about your behavior. Does that make sense? Your earthly walk. None of this suggests the loss of salvation. We keep going. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1-2. to two. Now the Spirit expressly says, mm, in the latter times, that some will depart from the faith. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry. Can you see the description of what's going on? And commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Are these things deal breakers of your salvation? How could they be? These are just laws that you're not even being justified by and you are breaking because you are trying to keep them. You are trying to keep a law that has been kept. So you are stifling the flow of grace and then God now removes salvation from you that is not by the law you are trying to keep and failing at. Because you're not saved by by the law. You're not saved by works. You're now trying to do works. Yeah? Deceiving yourselves and giving stupid laws. Trying to keep the laws of men the law of Moses, that has passed away, for which there's no more recompense because Christ has paid. Are you not being stupid, just normally? You're just being stupid, trying to live according to what is no longer held against you. Trying to measure up to what is not, no longer the yardstick for your salvation. Does it suggest in all honesty to the word of God that your salvation is being lost? I'm putting out all the hard the scriptures that I use to argue this thing. Let me start dropping the arguments. The first argument is the fairness argument. Fairness, right? Equity. Why will someone who believed and rejected Jesus be given the same eternal life as the one who faithfully followed Jesus all their lives? If you have not jammed this argument, wait very soon. You jam it. It's out there. It depends on who you're talking with, at what level. There's some intellectual unbelievers that have revelation about their unbelief. Do you understand? They have revelation about their unbelief. When you meet them trying to make noise, they will school you in the ministry of unbelief. (laughs) So Peter says, always be ready to have an answer to give those who question you concerning the hope you profess. You meet them. They'll ask you these questions. How can we all accept salvation? How can we all be saved on the last day? And I ask a question. Is fairness A factor in God's salvation. Did you receive salvation because God was being fair? You received salvation because God chose to fall in love. God didn't just fall in love. God died in love. He didn't didn't just fall. Hmm? He died in love. You can't even stand in love. Before we even talk of falling in love, you can't even sit comfortably in love. Yeah, like this, like this, shifty. He he fell in love, he died in it. For God so loved the world that he gave. That gave that he gave his son was not Mary giving birth. You know that by now. That gave was stretching him out on the cross for my sin. That's why we sing all the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God chases me down fights till i'm found leaves the 99 i couldn't earn it i don't deserve it still you gave yourself may i say give i don't sing give he gave past tense he gave it once it's one sacrifice it's not every day god is giving himself it was once and for all hebrew says that's love so the factor is not fairness the fairness argument right the moral argument If we have already made heaven, why should we bother to live a good life on earth? People who are against grace ask that all the time. You give people the third argument, the license argument. Unconditional grace will give people license to sin. People cannot handle that kind of freedom. Now, this particular argument, unfortunately, has been strengthened by some of us believers. Who now start to live anyhow because of grace? You didn't encounter grace. Because the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It doesn't stop there teaching them to live on godliness. Grace teaches you to walk away from ungodliness while informing you that your grace is not a function of your godliness, but it instructs you to walk away from ungodliness. For your own good. The license. There's also the continued sin argument. Your sins as an unbeliever were forgiven. But your sin after you believed. You need to to deal with that one. As your journey with God progresses. You need to confess your sins. You need to straighten up. Otherwise you can end up in in hell. But before you got born again. The sins you sinned as an unbeliever. Yeah, we agree that the cross paid. Next argument. I call it the making heaven is up to God argument. People who are convinced. You know what? Last, last. It's God that will determine on the last day who will be raptured. Do you understand? So that's why you start to sing. Oh, when the road is called up yonder. When the road is called up yonder. I'll be there. You start to encourage yourself. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Would hear my humble cry, while on others that were calling. Do not pass me by. You start to encourage yourself because last, last. You're not sure. That's why you hear people, religious people, Pentecostal religious people pray. Father, we pray that on the last day when the trumpet sounds, may we be found worthy of your kingdom. please, May we not be found wanting? Pray. You start to pray. Listen to me. Nobody can pray their way into heaven. There is either an intercessor interceding for you, or you are lost. You cannot pray your way into eternal life. Did you hear what I said? You cannot. When God decides on the rapture who will make heaven. I cannot be too sure, lest God will think I am proud. Walking around saying you have made heaven, made heaven, made, made heaven. They're proud. And God resists the proud. You just live a lowly life. Live under the radar. And perhaps you will hear the trumpet. As we start to address these arguments, let me throw a few scriptures out there. John 6.39 John 6, 39, this is the will of the Father who sends me. Listen to this carefully. That of all, somebody say all. Say all. Say all. He has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. If it were Paul, you can say, well, you know, Paul said, I don't have this. I'm not, it's all I, Paul speaking. Not the Lord. How, even though I know I have his spirit. You can be saying, okay, maybe Paul was just in the flesh of the Lord's day. You could say, okay, maybe Peter, when did Peter say it, was he still grasping with New Testament realities or has, had he, this is the Lord Jesus himself saying of all whom the Lord has given me, I should lose nothing. So me, I cannot be lost. And even if I drifted, he can raise me up on the last day. That's the day that matters because that day is not about me it's about him showing the father that he lost none i cannot be the one that he lost how will he tell the father no truly i didn't lose any old. But, but father you know that i tried with pav pav said is very stubborn i did everything he refused to pray I did everything, he refused to fast. I did everything, he refused to live a holy life. He was just doing his own. I would say left, he will go right. I would say right, he will go left. I would say left, he will go center. I would say stand up, he will sit down. So at a point, father, I had to cut him loose and count my losses. So father, I, I, I brought the others that cooperated with me. But it's not like I lost Pavel it's like pav lost me I, I don't i don't i can't explain what happened but I, I, I don't want to say i lost him because i will now look like i lied when i said i, I lost none so i don't know how to, to 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 explain it to you father but but truly truly it's not like it's not like it's not like i lost him i just don't understand how i lost him without losing him I can't understand, I can't. You know, let me not say that I lost him all. I've not said it. I'm just explaining how. Of all the Father, this is Jesus. Of all the Father has given me. What does it say? I should lose nothing. But I should raise it up. So why are you afraid of the last day? When it is the day of your raising up. Remember when I taught you assurance beyond probability and I showed you in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5 where Paul says that whether we wake or we sleep, we shall be with the Lord. After warning you that you should not be as those who sleep, stay awake, stay woke because we're not sons of the night we are sons of the day. So don't sleep, don't slack. Be alert. However, whether you sleep or whether you wake, you shall be with him. So, your being awake is not to qualify being with him. But because you are, a child, you are a woke child, you just stay woke. But your wokeness is not a prerequisite for your redemption on the last day. Isn't that scripture beautiful, John 6? Look at John 10, 28 and 29. John 10, 28 and 29. And I give them eternal life. Hey, who, who again is speaking, sir? Jesus. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone, devil, false prophet, demon spirit, sin, persecution, life, death, Peril, sword, heights, depths, principalities, powers. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Anyone includes everyone. Whether they be thrones or principalities or powers. I am shouting because the gospel has to be shouted. It's Jesus. Okay, you can discredit Paul. How about Jesus? Put it in the message. I give them real and eternal life. They are protected from the destroyer for good. No one. So for your salvation to be lost, Satan, sin, enemy, fornication, whatever it is, has to get to God's hand. Wring the hand open snatch you out fight god fight god fight god fight jesus fight jesus succeed defeat jesus snatch you out from his hand then you can be lost me i'm waiting to see that day i give them eternal life but how does the amplified put to 28 i give them eternal life and they will never ever by any means perish by any means includes every means And no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. New King James 29. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. Who is the all here? The all who can try to snatch you from his hand. Your father is greater than persecution. Your father is greater than death your father is greater than tribulation your father is greater than principalities your father is greater than powers your father is greater than sin your father is greater than death and my father is greater than all he has given them to me and no one he repeats for emphasis is able to snatch them out of my father's hand Put verse 28 back. You see the word the word play. Put, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Jesus, my hand. 29. My father who is greater than all has given them to me and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand excuse me if the hand of jesus is not enough you are in the hand of jesus and you are in the hand of the father if they are going to lose your salvation they have to remove you from the hand of jesus and remove you from the hand of the father and we know that that is not possible so at this point you cannot blame me if i shout oh No one can snatch them out of my hand. Okay, you believe that God is powerful, eh? Okay, no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. To snatch from someone, you have to wring their hand. You have to twist it. You have to force it open. You have to wage war against it and succeed. And then pull them out. That's why I said sin is too small to make you miss heaven. Sin is not strong enough for you to lose your salvation. For my father is greater than all. No exceptions. They don't like it, but hey, is it in your Bible? If if there was a disclaimer, he would have said all except the things you can do that I have no business with. But there's no disclaimer. Jesus is consistent in his offer of eternal life without conditions. He is consistent in his offer of eternal life without conditions. He is consistent in his offer of eternal life without conditions. Jesus is c- consistent in his offer of eternal life without condition. Eternal life is never based has never been based and will never be based on performance ever. Ever. Not one can snatch them. I cannot lose any. He has his promise. But I should raise it up on the last day. Why did God save you? Because he fell in love with you. Simple. If there's a mistake, it is God falling in love with you. For you to make my salvation questionable is for you to have interrupted God at the point of falling in love with me. But if you could not stop him from falling in love with me, excuse me, you are too small to dictate how he commends that love towards me. So I am me, I am not moved by what they say. They are too small. You couldn't stop him loving me. You can't stop how he commends the love towards me. You saw you now advise God that this one, this love you gave him should not be eternal. Oh, Have you seen what he's doing? Is there anything I'm doing that God did not know I would do? Anything, good is there anything I'm doing? If there is, then God, we have to strip God of his power of omniscience. God saw, he saw how I was. He saw how I would be. He entered the orphanage. He saw me misbehaving. Saw me climbing tables and tearing down curtains. He saw me using catapults to bust all the lights. And he said, that's the one I want. That's the one I love, just like that. The unwanted, he's my unwanted, give him to me. He saw me at my worst and he loved me at his best. His love for me has never been contingent on my performance. It will never be. It will never be. It will never be. He will raise me up on the last day because he died in love with me. My father, who is greater than all. Gave them to me. And no one. Can snatch them out of my father's hand. When only the finger. Oh my God. Man of God. Only the finger of God. Shut down the entire agenda of a nation. Pharaoh's sorcerer said. Ah. This one. Is the finger. Of God. Eh. Finger of God. God went hatcher and the Red Sea fled by the blast of his nostril. The Red Sea ran. It says mountains skip like lambs at his presence. And then that God whose sneeze pats the Red Sea, the God that Isaiah says all the earth and the mountains are but a drop in a bucket in the palm of his hands. The God that Isaiah says. Measured the entire sands of the earth. On his palm. That hand that contains the entire earth. That hand preserves you. And you can be lost. You can be snatched. Have you not thought what a mighty hand. He has the hand of God. That he used to deliver you with an outstretched arm and with his hand. He delivered you and then he keeps you there and he shuts the hand. And Satan can steal you. Even if you want to be stolen. Even if like Peter, you say, I am not doing again. Let let me give you an example. I told you I teach in pictures. Have you seen how stupid babies behave? when they are in a frenzy, they start struggling with the person carrying them. Leave me alone. Let me drop. Have you ever dropped a baby because the baby wanted to be dropped? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts. To your children, how much more your heavenly father. Hey, he was saying that he doesn't do again. He's saying he doesn't want to do again. He's saying he's not interested. He's saying he doesn't love me anymore. He's saying he doesn't want to be faithful anymore. And he's kind of frenzy. Look at how life has been difficult to him. So he's saying he's not wanting to do again. Hey, so me too. I leave him alone to fall. Would you do that? Because you let the baby and the baby drops and breaks the head and dies. How do you explain to your spouse or to your guardian or to your parents? That "Eh, it's the baby that was saying the baby doesn't want to. Actually, baby was fighting. Have you seen babies fight to be left? Some of them are so stubborn. They will throw a fuss. They will drag. They will cry like you are killing them by holding them. And you know, it is in the interest of this stupid child for me to preserve you from your stupid self. And it is in love that you are preserving them. Not in their works. Not in their sense. Not in their rationale. Not in their performance. Not in their behavior. Not in their knowledge of their behavior. They don't know what they are doing. But you, who knows the thoughts you have concerning them. Are able to keep them. Even when they want to be dropped. So you, as de- degenerate as you are. You will not drop a baby. And your father will drop you. Because you said, I no do again. Drop me. It's not possible. It's not possible. That's why Peter said all he said. And God said, hmm? Is that the worst you can do? Deny me. Me, I refuse to deny you. I chose you. Then after a while, you, like that crazy child, after your fought and fourth, you now advise yourself and calm down. And sleep in the bosom. That is what Hebrews 4 calls coming into rest. You have fought and fought and dragged and dragged. And kicked against the brick. And been angry against God. You rebel and rebel and rebel. He forgives and forgives and forgives. After a while. You will advise yourself. This is where we are. You can't die here. You live here. Eternal. You advise yourself, you now settle down. What then comes when you settle down? Assurance. It's not Choma that has it. It's sons of God that have it. That's when assurance comes. You yourself, you have tested the far riches of God's saving grace. And you realize, you know what? He ain't going to drop me. He will not let me fall. He will not let me fall. Remember that song? He's ever willing or something. And he will not let me fall. He, 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 he will not. God kept me. So I wouldn't let go. Because I couldn't let go. And I tried to let go. But he refused to let go. That's the gospel. So, when Jude screams, now to him who is able to keep you from falling, Jude is aware that you will try to fall. You will kick and scatter and you will make a. a, a you will vomit on your, on, the, on your parents. Who knows what I'm talking about? You will throw up. You will act like you are going to pass out. After a while, you are almost freaking out with <laughs> this child. And he keeps you from falling. The way you keep that child from falling because it's a love thing, it's not a performance thing. Religion deceived you to believe that it's performance based. Ah, and religion is dying. It is dying, oh, oh. it is dying, it is dying. dying, it's dying, it's never been of works. Try as hard as you can. David tried it. He said, where can I run? Where can I hide from your presence? Your goodness, it's running after. It's running after me. That's the conviction. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. So I advised myself, with my life... I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness. Because your goodness is running. No matter where I go. It's running after me. It might not be today. That you stop running. Away from God. You will run for a while. Leave a particular location. And arrive at a location and realize you run from God to God. You will now turn and face here and start running away like Jonah. When you arrive, you arrive in God. You try, you know, it, it will not all happen in 2019. I understand. There's plenty of space in God. Run. As you are running, remember, it is in him you are running. It is in him you live. It is in him you move. It is in him you have your being. Where you are running from is in him. Where you are running to is in him. Where you are hiding from him is in him. When you come out and say, look at me here, is in him. Run. He's not afraid of your running. Guess where it's happening. He's just looking at you inside his belly. Uh-huh. He'll see you run. He's not chasing you. He's found you. Grace has found you. It's not God is not running after you. That's not what it means. Do you understand? It means that the space you are running in is in him. So the time and space you are oscillating in like a pendulum is in God. you were here. I'm with you now. You went here. I'm with you. You said, I'm not doing again. I'm with you. You came back and said, you are doing. I'm with you. It's not because of what you said. False prophets came and lied to you and deceived you. And your faith waxed cold, I am with you. The scales fell off your eyes. You now repented, changed your mind, changed your mind. And you now woke up and realized, I am with you. You accept me as the savior, I am with you. You reject me as the savior, I am with you. Because I chose you. I chose to fall and then to die in love with you. I ask you, son of God, is your salvation really forever? This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at or visit our social media platforms.